still awake? It's a good service so far. Amen. <laughs> so far, right, Robin? <laughs> it's going to continue to be good. <laughs> we hope so anyway. Had a great... It's going to just get better, right. We're going to, you know, I didn't really plan this, but we're going to continue on with the theme of prayer. We actually had that in uh, Sunday school. We had an excellent lesson. Brother Ken spoke to us on prayer. And uh, you can tell what I do first during the week. I go to my sermon first because our sermon is entitled, God Listens and God is Faithful. It is about prayer. And then only later did I read my Sunday school lesson and realize, hey, <laughs> this is going to work out pretty good. So, if you've got your Bibles, I hope that you will turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. That's where we're going to be at today in our scripture. So, uh, the last few weeks, we've been learning a lot from Paul and what he's written to the Thessalonians. And last week, we learned that he really wants us to stand firm in the faith. He wants us to stand firm for the gospel message and not to be easily shaken. And they could have been a church that was easily shaken because they had a lot going on around them, just, just like we have a lot going on around us, although I think it was probably a little bit more intense for them. They were under persecution, under affliction for the gospel, and they were wondering, have I missed the second, the rapture of the church, and am I now in the tribulation time? And Paul says, no, don't be easily shaken. You're not in that period of time. And also he tells them, don't be deceived by someone saying that the rapture or the second coming of Christ has already happened. And so now he turns a little bit in a different direction and he begins the section of scripture that we're starting today with verse one. He's saying that he requests that the Thessalonians pray for them, pray for the apostles. And so prayer is such an important thing for us. It's important for us today. It's extremely important for the apostles then as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit more just a little bit later. But I'm wondering if in today's church, we haven't missed out on prayer in a big way. And I say that because there's so many examples during the New Testament times, as well as during the Reformation times of of God answering big prayers and doing it consistently. So I'd like to tell you a little story about George Mueller, and I think I may have even read this story before or one like it. But George Mueller was a Christian missionary and evangelist, and he also coordinated several orphanages in Bristol, England. He was actually from Germany, but he was a missionary to Bristol, England. And I'm reading here from uh, an article I found on the web that through his faith and prayers, and without even asking for any money, he had the privilege of caring for over 120,000 orphan children. He also traveled to over 200,000 miles by ship to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in 42 countries and to challenge, challenge believers about world mission and trusting God. And in his journals, uh, Mueller recorded miracle after miracle of God's provision and answered prayer. And if you haven't ever have the opportunity to pick up his little biography, it's, it's not a very long read, but it is just packed full of prayer after prayer after prayer that he took before the Lord, and it was immediately answered. And so you might, answer, you might ask, well, how is that different 
from today. Maybe you've prayed before and not received the answers like you thought maybe that you should. Let me tell you this other little story about George Mueller and how he prayed. And this is a little article called My Eye is Not on the Fog. It's actually written by Charles Inglis, who was a well-known evangelist and had the opportunity to meet Mueller on a ship going from, I think, England over to the United States. And so this Charles Inglis, he says, when I first came to America 31 years ago, I crossed the Atlantic with the captain of a steamer who is one of the most devoted men I ever knew. And when we were off the banks of Newfoundland, he said to me, Mr. Inglis, the last time I crossed here five weeks ago, one of the most extraordinary things happened that has completely revolutionized the whole of my Christian life. Up to that time, I was one of you ordinary Christians. We had a man, we had a man of God on board, George Mueller of Bristol. I had been on the bridge for 22 hours and never left it. The reason he didn't leave is there was such a, a fog bank that he, they had to be up there to direct the ship. He said, I was startled by someone tapping me on the shoulder. It was George Mueller. Captain, he said, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. This was Wednesday. It's impossible, I said. Very well, if your ship can't take me, God will find some other means of locomotion to take me. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. I would willingly help you, but how can I? I'm helpless. Let us go down to the chart room and pray, he said. I looked at this man and I thought to myself, what a lunatic asylum could a man be from? I never heard of such a thing. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense this fog is? No, he replied, my eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He went down on his knees and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. I thought to myself, that would suit a children's class. Well, the children were not more than eight or nine years of age. The burden of his prayer was something like this, O oh Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. You know the engagement that you made for me in Quebec for Saturday. I believe it is your will. When he had finished, I was going to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. First, he said, you do not believe God will do it. And second, I believe he has done it. And there's no need whatever for you to pray about it. I looked at him and George Mueller said this, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day that ha I have failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door, and you will find the fog is gone. I got up, and the fog was gone. On Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec. And so we see a man who obviously believed in prayer, and not only believed in prayer, but he had a track a history of God being faithful to him in answering prayer. And I believe it all goes back to the fact that George Mueller wanted nothing other than God's will. He prayed according to God's will. He knew God had him to be in Quebec on Saturday and God was going to make a way for him to be in Quebec in Saturday. And so today we're going to read just a short five verses today but it's kind of packed full of things about prayer and the faithfulness of God. That's 
what our lesson is about today. God listens to his children and he is faithful to us. Amen. Can I get an amen for that? He answers prayer. He listens to us and he is faithful to us. And so let's go ahead and stand if you wouldn't mind and stretch your legs a little bit as we go ahead and read just these five verses and then we'll pray and then we'll get into it. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words today that you have given us. And you've caused us to be here today to hear this message and to learn more about our prayer life. And I think there's no doubt that each and every one of us here today could say that our prayer life could be deeper and it could be richer and it could be more fulfilling and that we could see more of our prayers answered if we would pray the will of God. And so we pray that you would teach us, that you instruct us as to how we are to pray. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Yes, God listens to his children and he is faithful to us. First of all, he listens and answers our prayer. Paul believes this. He believes this. And in fact, he believes it so much that he's willing to have the people in Thessalonica pray for him. He asked, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. Now, uh, he believes in it so much that he even requests prayer for himself. But God doesn't answer yes when we pray selfishly. God doesn't answer yes when we pray selfishly. Look at James 4, 3. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it. It says, you do not ask, you, do not, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God is not interested in our selfish prayers. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that we never pray for ourselves. But he's not interested in things that will make us successful in this world. He wants us to be prepared for the kingdom that is to come. In other words, we probably shouldn't be praying to win the lottery because the lottery would only probably make us wealthy and take us away from God. We would become self-sufficient. I think sometimes I see people praying for sport, the outcome of sporting events. And there's one group praying on this side that they win. There's another group on this side praying that they win. And so uh, maybe the winning of the game is not the most important thing. Maybe the playing of the game and how we conduct ourselves is more important. It might be a prayer that uh, God would recognize. He typically, for the Christian, is not going to answer our prayers for wealth or for power or for prestige or for honor because we of all people are supposed to be humble before other people. Tim Challies, you may not know him, you may recognize him, he's a well-known pastor and blogger. He was contemplating this subject of selfish prayers and he says, I thought about the obvious applications for it, prayers that are resolve around me and my needs, my wants, my desires, and my dreams. I pray selfishly when I focus primarily on what I want from God 
rather than what he wants for me. And I pray selfishly when I focus on what I want at the expense of what others may want or need. And so selfish prayers, really God is not interested in answering because he wants something better for us than that, right? He wants something better than that for us. Scripture says that God gives more grace, therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so we do not want to be proud in the sense of building ourselves up, thinking that we are something special in God's eyes, but we want to be humble. It's the person who is humble whom God will shower his grace upon. I wrote down here that we want streets of gold, but we don't want Jesus. Many times, right? We want streets of gold. We want to go to heaven. We're just not concerned about Jesus. And that's evident in how much time that we spend with him now. If we truly want Jesus as our reward, then we will want him now. And it will be evident in the time that we spend with him in his word. We often want magic, not miracles. We want God to work like this whenever we want him to work. We want a genie, not a God. Many times we want a genie, not a God. Get our three wishes, and the genie can just go back in the lamp as far as we're concerned. We've got our wishes. That's what we wanted. God has something more than us. He's got himself for us. He wants to give us himself. He wants to have a relationship with him. And so prayer and being in God's word is the means by which we have that and experience God. If we treat God like a genie and just send him back to the lamp, is it any wonder he doesn't answer our wishes? And I use wishes intentionally. Thankfully, he loves us too much to give us what is not good for us. And so sometimes he says no. In fact, I think he always says no to selfish prayers. God answers prayers yes when we offer selfless prayers according to his, his word. So I think that's on your, on your handout. Selfless prayers. In other words, prayers that are not directed to ourself, but prayers that are directed to others. Of course, this doesn't mean that we don't pray for ourselves. We learned in our Sunday school class that we need to be praying for others and we need to be praying for our own spiritual growth and well-being right so many times we pray for our physical well-being and we should do that but we have a spiritual well-being as well and sometimes we need an examination such as a doctor would give a physical uh, patient we need to be examined in light of god's word as far as our spiritual condition and so we it, this doesn't mean that we never pray for ourselves it doesn't mean that the small things in our life we shouldn't pray for, but we must remember that we are soldiers in God's kingdom. And so our spiritual welfare is very important for the propagation of that kingdom. That's why we pray for ourselves, not that we can selfishly exist apart from God, but that we selflessly exist for him and for his kingdom. We should, for instance, I'll repeat it again, focus on God's kingdom in our prayers, our spiritual growth, the salvation of others, and offer selfless prayers according to his will. This lines up with scripture, by the way. 
1 John 5, 14 and 15, John says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that's toward Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You get a sense that God's will is the most important thing for the Christian to know. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I see nothing in that verse that talks about building us up. It's all about building Jesus up. When you ask according to his name, that means you're asking according to his power and his authority, and you're doing it so that his Father might be glorified in the Son. This is the reason that we exist. We exist in order to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and God, the Father. That's our purpose. If you're wondering what is your purpose in life, you know, you can do a lot of different things. You can have a lot of different vocations, but overriding all of those things is for us to glorify God, to make him famous, to make him exalted and above everyone else, not ourselves. And so he will answer prayers that will magnify his glory. But first, we need to first pray to determine God's will according to his word and then pray in agreement with it. Now, this takes some time and work sometimes, right? It takes work to know God's will. And so we may start out asking for one thing and then through a series of no's or through his word, we find out that that request is not going to be answered in that particular way. But if we pray according to God's glory, it will be. Here's, here's just one example of how this happens. It's a prayer that Moses offered up for the people of Israel. Think way, way, way back to the people of Israel and they're coming out of Egypt and they cross the Red Sea and they finally make it to Mount Sinai and what does Moses do? He goes up to receive the Ten Commandments. What are the people doing back down at the bottom of the hill? They're taking all their gold and they say, Aaron, will you make for us a golden image, a, a golden calf that we could worship? They even called this golden calf the Lord. They even gave this calf credit for bringing them out of Egypt. This does not make God happy. This does not make God happy. Moses comes down off the hill with the Ten Commandments and he is not happy at all. In fact, God is ready to destroy the nation of Israel, his very own nation. Listen to what he says. He says, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation out of you. You see, God had said that it was his will to make a nation out of Israel that would be a blessing to the whole world. And now he's saying, I can't do it with Israel. I'm going to start over with Moses. But Moses implored with the Lord on this. Can you imagine going to prayer with the Lord, trying to change his mind? But he's, he's dead set on destroying Israel. And Moses says, 
Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your, your people? He reminds God, these are your people. What would the Egyptians say if you brought them out in the desert only to kill them and destroy them? They would say, you cannot deliver your people. He says to remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. And they said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. And basically, Moses used God's own words against him. He said, if you're going to be glorified in your people, then you cannot destroy them. And verse 14 of that says that the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. That is how you effectively pray. You pray according to God's ultimate desire, which is that he be glorified in his people. And I believe we see elements of this today in Paul's prayer. I believe that Paul's request for prayer here, in other words, his uh, request for prayer is one of selflessness. First of all, he says, pray for us. Now, is this a selfish prayer? Is he, is he saying, is it all about Paul? No, I don't think so. This is not a selfish prayer. His prayer is that through them, the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. This is not a selfish prayer. This is a prayer that Paul knows that God wants to happen. He knows that this is God's will that the word would speed ahead through them. So Paul, if you remember, was the apostle to the Gentiles. His whole purpose in life that God gave him was to glorify him by taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And he wanted it to spread as far as he could spread the word. And so he's asking the Thessalonians, what God did in Thessalonia, where you received the word and honored it, let it speed ahead of us now through them. This is a selfless prayer. Paul is saying, use us, strengthen us, give us boldness that the word of God might speed ahead of us and that it might be honored. He prayed that the word would be honored. First of all, he prayed that it would speed ahead, but he prayed that it would be honored. Honor is not to come upon Paul and the other apostles but God is to be honored. They're to present the gospel clearly, delivered in the power of the Spirit. And Paul's special prayer here is that it would be accepted, honored, and believed. He even prayed for those who don't have faith. Let's look at that verse, the last part of, of verse number two. He says, well, verse two, he says, and that they may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith faith. Not all have faith. Some people might have been a stumbling block for Paul. Some people did not receive it. But I believe it's implied here that Paul is praying for those who do not have faith. And he's praying, Lord, give them faith. <laughs> Lord, give them faith. John 17, 5, the apostle said this to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord can do this. He can give them faith. In fact, I would say Every person who is ever saved has been given their faith from the Lord. Immediately, uh, in, we see in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, 
that this is a gift that comes from God. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works that no man may boast. Faith is a gift from God, and we exercise it, and we are saved. And I believe he's praying that for these who would stand against him who do not have faith. He's praying big things. You ever notice that? Same thing with, with uh, George Mueller. They prayed for big things that required a step of faith. So many times, I believe, we don't see big prayers answers because we're not willing to take that step of faith. We're not willing to look a little bit foolish. But we need to take that step of faith. We need to search out what God's will is in his word and then pray according to that. You know, most of what is God's will for our life is in the Bible already. <laughs> I mean, if we would just follow the direct commands that we have in the Bible, we would be very busy doing the will of God. So we're supposed to love all people, right? We're supposed to love especially those who are the household of faith. We're supposed to share the gospel. We are supposed to give to our church and to the Lord's work. We are supposed to fellowship with one another. We are supposed to do all kinds of things together as the church. We are to pray, obviously, we're to be in his word, we're to uh, share the gospel with people and we could go on and on and on. And so we know God's will and may we be people of prayer uh, praying God's will. And then not only does God answer our prayers, but he is faithful to us. Verse number three, but the Lord is faithful. First of all, he's faithful to answer selfless, God-centered, kingdom-building prayers. Once again, we'll go back to this topic of prayer. He is faithful to answer selfless, God-centered, kingdom-building prayers. John 14, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So he is faithful to answer prayer. He is faithful to strengthen and guard us from the evil one. He makes us confident in our ability to be obedient. Sometimes we can lose confidence if our focus is not on God. If we don't feel like we've been strengthened by God, we can lose our confidence, but he has given us strength and will guard us from the evil one. That's such a great blessing, folks. That is such a great blessing. The, the evil one is constantly on the attack, amen? We may not recognize it, we may not see it, but we need to learn to recognize it when we see it. But he is not greater than us, he is not greater than our Lord. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. And he will guard and uh, strengthen us from the evil one. People ask, well, how can you believe in eternal security? How can you believe that once you're saved, you're always saved? When we still commit sin, people still fall away from the Lord, it appears. How can that happen? Well, it's from verses like this. He is faithful to strengthen and guard us from the evil one. He, he, never, he may let us be tempted. He may let us fall temporarily into sin, but his Holy Spirit is always there to bring us back. We have that guarantee from the Holy Spirit. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, probably the most famous verses in this book that 
probably not read by uh, read as much as other books, but it's a very important verse. It says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is a faithful God. He's faithful to motivate our hearts. Look at this very last verse. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. He motivates our heart. His very presence within us is motivation that we are to love him above all other things, all other people. And we are to remain steadfast and patient until his coming. Are you in there for the long run? Yeah, I believe you are too. I know this group pretty well. I believe you are in it for the long run. I believe we are maybe in store for even greater difficult times before they get better. Maybe they won't get better. Maybe the Lord will come and, and take us in the rapture. Uh, but until then, we are to remain steadfast and patient until his coming. And that will be my prayer for you and for me as well. So is God working in your life? Amen. Amen. I hope so. I hope, I hope that you have a, a close relationship that with him and in his word you can see where he is directing you in your life. And if not, I would suggest start a prayer life. Start a prayer life. I always think of prayer and the word going together. I hardly ever mention one without the other. But we speak to God through our prayers. We listen to God through what the Bible has to say. It's almost impossible, folks, to know the will of God without being in the Word of God. You just cannot do it. We can go by feelings, and we can say, I feel like this is the right thing. But it, I've heard so many people say that about ungodly things. And it's, not, it's, it's just because they have not been in the Word of God to know that. Sometimes I think people are scared to go to the word of God that it might hold them more accountable and that they, they might find some things in there that they would rather not know. But remember, everything God does for us is for our good. And so if there's something in the Bible and you think, I'm not sure I wanna do that or I, I just prefer the way that I'm living now, remember God has put that commandment in there for your good and for your joy and for your happiness. It's a verse that I can't ever remember where it's at, but maybe someone will. He, and, God, and he says, God's commandments are not burdensome. I think it's in 1 John somewhere. But we think that maybe his commandments are burdensome, but they are not. And so in closing this, prayer has come to us at a great cost. What do you mean by that, Rob? It has come to us at the great cost of Jesus dying on the cross, right? We had no access to God prior to knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You say, are you saying that God doesn't hear our prayers if I'm not a Christian? Well, of course God hears everything, but does he listen to us? He doesn't listen to us. <laughs> he does not listen to your prayers if you are not a Christian. He has no obligation to listen to them. He may listen to them in a, in a sense. He knows about them. He may even choose to work something out to where he answers that prayer, but he is not obligated to listen to that prayer. He is 
obligation is not the right word. When we're a Christian, he relishes in listening to our prayers. He, he can't wait for us to come to him and pray to him. And it was purchased by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. It's him through whom we have access to the Father. So let's give thanks to him and let's think about our prayer life as we close. Father, we thank so much for this time and we thank you for the very opportunity that we have to come to you and pray. And right now we have our heads bowed and we're in church, but we know that prayer can happen anytime in any place and we don't have to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed that we are showing humility by doing this right now. But we can speak to you anytime and you listen. You listen as a father who doesn't give his children stones, but give them good things. And so we should be eager to pray to you. We should be eager to pray constantly, to bring everything before your loving eyes and ask for approval or denial. Is this good for me or is this good for the kingdom or is this bad for me and bad for the kingdom? And make our decisions based upon that. Help us to see prayer as we would any conversation that we can do it at any time and you are always ready and willing to listen to us. And you are faithful to us. You will never leave us nor forsake us, but you will always be there for us, helping us to persevere to the end. We thank you for the God that you are and we glorify you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.